Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about the first four episodes of the animated show Stargate Infinity, and the week before that we concluded... (laughs) Arsu's laughing at me. Concluded <laughs> SG1 season one. So now it's time to start season two. Season two. Woo. Woo. I know it's not like we're not breaking the show into official seasons, but this feels like season two of the show because we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. Yeah. So we're ahead in our recording schedule. And um, so we just took like an entire month off, but y'all won't know that because the the podcast's not actually taking a break so. don't we sound older and wiser yeah we're a month older than they last heard us <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're going to be talking about episodes one and two the serpent slayer and in the line of duty the serpent slayer premiered on june 26 1998 was written by brad wright and directed by jonathan glasner in the Line of Duty premiered on July 3rd, 1998, was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood, which is the wrench guy. But again, <laughs> I did not notice a wrench. Uh, I have been watching ahead in season two, and I did finally find one of his episodes where the wrench was very noticeable. So I feel like there are only a couple of occasions where the wrench was noticeable and you noticed both times and decided this was a thing. Or maybe he just didn't start it until midway through season two. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, did you notice Wrench? Nope. Yeah, see? I wasn't looking for it, though. Yeah, but it also, like, wasn't noticeable. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, if y'all notice it, (laughs) let us know which scene it was in. Um, So, yeah, we have some memorable episodes coming up in season two, and I think these are off to a good start. Arzu, would you like to give us a quick summary? Okay, so in the Serpent's Lair, this is the back half of the season one finale. So they're Mm -hmm. all on the ship. Scar is here. Possessed. Apophis is here. Um, They shoot through a door. Something blows up and it goes badly. I don't know why they thought that was going to go well. (laughs) Um, So back between people back home and people on the ship, they are basically just stopping the invasion and destruction of Earth. Mm-hmm. no biggie no biggie you know they just save the world it's fine in 45 minutes and then yeah. in the line of duty uh carter is possessed by a gold mm-hmm. becomes a gold possessed by i don't know it's both. a bit fuzzy both um this gold is not like the other golds she's <laughs> a rebellious gold <laughs> that's the way you said I- that <laughs> She's like, I'm not like those other gold. Um, <laughs> but doesn't basically fall in line with with um, with the others. Right. And this is the first mention of Sheree that we get this season. And it doesn't come from Daniel. I mean, great. It is the second episode. so I know, but the first one had Sheree's brother in it. So if you were going to tell me between the two, which one is going to have a Sheree reference, I'd probably say the first one. Right, yeah. Which I have some thoughts about how that goes. But... Uh, but yeah, second episode was fun. Back to the kind of problem of the week format, which I really like. So yeah, we'll get into it. Those weren't very in-depth summaries. <laughs> so let's do our quote reveal. So two weeks ago, I gave you the quote, 
it isn't dark, we're blind, and we failed. And your guess was that Jack was talking to SG-1, specifically Daniel, who snarkily said something about it being dark, but something has gone wrong with a piece of technology and they've lost their sight. So, uh, <laughs> kind of? Uh, I feel like no, you got the because- con- well, you got the context right. I mean, they well, were no. blinded by a piece of technology. But, but nothing get... went wrong with the tech. It worked as intended. That's true. That's true. And it was Daniel delivering the line rather than Jack. Was it? Uh-huh. I, I, I thought it was Teal. Okay. No. I'm no, like misremembering this. It, it's, it's been less than 12 hours since I saw these episodes. <laughs> yeah, because it's like um jack wakes up tilk's already awake and then he reaches out and touches carter who bites his hand which and, i loved thank and you he's yeah. like, ex- <laughs> and like they're explaining what's going on to carter and daniel delivers the line of so i was completely yeah. off but that's okay well i mean there was a piece of technology involved so. yeah and somebody was being snarky yeah so you get like a quarter <laughs> point for that we're not doing quarter points we're doing full points but (laughs) yeah so you like that she i like i like that sam's instinct was to bite somebody yeah that's a good instinct to have like it's completely dark something reaches out for for your face bite it (laughs) well okay i like that she bit jack because i'm a filthy filthy shipper but um (laughs) I don't know that that's a good instinct because putting your mouth on stuff is how Sam gets in trouble in the next episode. Right. So Um, I don't know that blindly putting your mouth on anything is maybe the best way to go about being on SG-1. Yeah, that's... Like, she's lucky it was Jack and not something else. (laughs) Well, I mean, just... he, He put his hand, like, directly on her face, so... I know, but, like, what if it was a poisonous, like, face eater? She doesn't know that. She's just biting. Maybe she it felt, Maybe she could tell it was a hand. Or she knows what it feels like when Jack puts his hand on her face. And it only took five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you're giving off uh, all kinds of innuendo there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that if you can't see and something is touching your face, maybe swat it. Don't put your mouth on it. <laughs> If you'd grown up in Canada, I'd be like, it's like the don't put it in your mouth PSA, but you don't know what that is. No, what is that? It was like this PSA that ran on kids TV and it had a little jingle like, don't you put it in your mouth? I'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) It's like, I swear, if you're a 90s Canadian kid, you know exactly what PSA I'm talking about. But what are they telling you to not put in your mouth? Like random things around the house. Like if you don't know what it is, don't put it in your mouth. Oh, okay. Very generalized. Yeah, they're like, if, like, if you're not sure that it's food, basically, like, don't put something in your mouth that could make you sick or kill you. Okay. I thought so. being Canada, it was going to be like a yellow snow warning or something. No, no, it's like stuff in the house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Braytac is back. Braytac is back. I love them. It's just such a, like... Between him and, I keep mixing up his rank, General Hammond. Uh-huh. Right? Between him and General Hammond, it was just such a dad vibe this episode. 
Yeah, yeah. And then in the second episode, Jack gets some like uh, gets a dad moment too. Oh, I wrote that down. I made notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I just find it, it to be like hilarious that Braytac is so willing to die for the cause. And I'm like, my dude, I don't understand how you live to be 130 or whatever years old because you are willing to die at literally every turn and not think of a way to keep going. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe you have like no... a new thing, like a new personality trait. I don't know. I'm like, where's your self-preservation? You've lived this long. Why do you think that every little thing is going to make you die and you're fine with it? As soon as um, Teal barged back into his life, he just threw the self-preservation out the window. I don't know, yeah, but it's like, oh, we don't know how to escape from the ship that's about to blow up. I guess we're going to die. Oh, we're going to blow up this other ship, and I don't know how to get out. Well, I guess we're going to die. I'm like, my dude. Drama <laughs> King Braytac. <laughs> just does not occur to him to try to escape. I don't get it. But, I mean, he is uh, checking up on Ryak, so... Finally, he's doing his duty as a friend, <laughs> which he wasn't doing before. But he's like, oh, whoops, I guess I should be doing that. But no, I, I do love him. He's one of my favorite characters. I love how sassy he is. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see him come back. Yeah. And he's like, I'm here to help you. And I'm like, yes, in disguise. I like it. Yeah. I am curious. I wish we could find out what he did to make Apophis trust him again. Because that mm. would be interesting. Maybe he killed somebody. Well, that's what I was thinking. Because he's like, you don't know what I went through to get yeah, Apophis to trust somebody. me again. Yeah. So who did he kill? Did we ever see um, Teal's wife again? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. We do. So he didn't kill Teal's wife, if that's what you're wondering. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, well... <laughs> Ryak's okay, but he's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's fine. And I do love Daniel and Jack's response to Braytek's question of, you know, what kind of ships does Earth have for self-defense? And they're like, we have shuttles. shuttles. <laughs> I like that it came back again when they're like listing their assets. We have like this, 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 and maybe a shuttle. <laughs> I'm like, what is a shuttle going to do in this context? I like shuttles by the their very name are meant to convey people from one point to another. That's all they do. Yeah, they don't have any weaponry. Like they I mean, they're like, we have shuttles and they think they have the Millennium Falcon. Like, I suppose you could strap a rocket to like, or strap a nuke to one, technically. But like, <laughs> but, like that's not their purpose. I thought. I don't know. Maybe it's just because there was a lot of time in between us watching the finale and then watching this. Mm -hmm. But did this feel very convoluted to you, this episode? In what way? I feel like there was a lot going on uh -huh. and very little breathing room. Yeah, it was definitely, like, very action-packed. Yeah. And, like, you really started off the season with, like, thank God they had a previously on Stargate or I would have been completely lost. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a it's a bad thing necessarily because I mean, we already got the slow intro. And so now it's like, okay, let's wrap up this storyline. Yeah. 
and like it's starting off a new season with a bang, like literally. I think I think my preference just tends towards episode of the week, kind of episode of the week, mm-hmm. problem of the week, yeah, kind of things. Because like, remember the thing with the thing, and then they're bringing in all these things from like earlier points in the season, and I'm like, I just, I just, like, we just got here. <laughs> yeah, no, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, some of the like the big arcs can be like overwhelming at times. Yeah. I did have a question, um, sort of about the show as a whole. The gold are not the main antagonists for all ten seasons, eleven seasons, right? No. Okay. Because at one point they were like having the big shootout, and I guess it was the throne room. Scar was there. Mm-hmm. They were like fighting, and I'm like, "How are you going to sustain this for ten more seasons?" But I guess that's not. Other. Other, other aliens happen. come up. I mean, the Gould aren't necessarily completely eradicated as a race, but but it's become... not a big problem for ten more seasons, right? Yeah. Okay. We are still going to be dealing with the Gould for I want to say at least five seasons, but five I mean, more that... seasons or up to season five? Um, I don't remember. I can't remember if they're still dealing with the Gould in season six or not. Um, like I feel like it kind of turned starts to turn around at that point to different focuses really more season seven starts to turn okay. towards more radically like non-gold stuff um but that being said it's not like always apophis right uh it's going to be other ghoul to have different types of goals in mind or trying to do different things so it's not going to be the same gold with the same problem with the same the yeah okay that was more just me wondering like Something that occurred to me as I was watching the episode. And even like along, even like before they finish dealing with the gold for the most part, they still have like minor villains come in that are completely different and kind of shake things up. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to have a problem with like getting bored of the ghoul necessarily. Okay. That's good. No. So, Skara's here. Skara! He, um, is 100% chlorel in this episode. Mm-hmm. No sweet scar coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, he tried. He was giving chlorel a hard time because chlorel like, was trying to raise the shield on the ship and mm-hmm. he was having a hard time doing it because of Scar's influence. But he doesn't have a moment like he did. Uh, no. He doesn't like come time. like awake or whatever. And somehow somehow Scar is there. And we never went. I guess we can't really stop in the middle of this all to like litigate where Sheree may or may not be, especially because <laughs> it's in like a different day. Yeah. But still, Daniel, like p- put a pin in this because I have some feelings about the next episode. <laughs> okay. You thought I was done bullying Daniel, but I just have more energy now. I mean, this is your shtick, so it's fine. <laughs> it's not a shtick. I'm genuinely mad at him. Okay. Well, I did think it was interesting how Chlorel said that even though he was physically healed, that he needed more time in the sarcophagus to overcome the influence of his host. And right. So that's I think that's the strength the, of his character. Yeah, but I feel like that's the first time we've had that something like that mentioned, um, where they specifically yeah. spend time in a sarcophagus to increase their their parasitical power. 
So we haven't really had a ton of time with the gold to like talk about themselves and their like yeah. process. Yeah. So it makes sense that this would be the first time. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to get some further information um, about the sarcophagus and how it works pretty soon. Ooh. I don't remember what. If I could just throw out an episode number, but no, I'm like. Just randomly guess an episode number and let's see if you're right. I think it's episode five. Okay. Don't check. Don't check. <laughs> Don't just check. Put, just, just make a note of it. And then when we get to episode five, we'll see if you were right or not. <laughs> okay. I did. I, I've done that a couple times where I'll be like, oh, it was season this, episode that. And then we like wait to see if I was right. Oh, okay. With like, with like Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff. Cool. So Daniel died. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted—I kind of want to talk about our character I, death count because, like, okay, so like, what are we gonna like in our tally of who dies and how many times they die? Is it enough to have a mortal wound to be considered a a death tally? But did he die? No. So no. But in the past, like in the fire and water episode from last season, he was presumed dead, but Did didn't we actually count that die. in the death. Yeah, oh. yeah, because he was presumed dead on Earth, and they had like a whole funeral for him and everything. I feel like that counts because they like treated him as dead and mourned mm-hmm. him and all that. Whereas this Jack's like, oh, he's staying behind. And then they get there and they're like, I can't believe Daniel's dead. And they're like, actually, Daniel's fine. And then Daniel comes and he's like, hey. like, But that's another thing of presumed death. They thought but it did die. It was presumed death, but it wasn't like performed grief. Like they didn't actually get to that point. Well, they like, were they about did. to. They were about to, but they didn't. But also he would have died if he hadn't gotten in the sarcophagus. Like even if he had managed to get to the Stargate and gate home without getting in the sarcophagus, he may not have survived long enough to be able to do that. But he did. But he did survive. Because we could like we can't if we're counting but they could have died, we should give them like a death tally every episode. Yeah, but I think it, it counts like for I mean, how close did he come to death? If like if it wasn't for this one tiny thing. But he didn't die. Just looked like he did. But he was presumed dead just like he was in the fire and water episode. I'm almost thinking maybe we shouldn't be counting the fire and water episode. Because like I can't remember what episode it was, but they like actually died in an episode and then they came back, right? Yeah, when they were killed by Apophis and his guards. And the Nox yeah. revived them. Yeah, 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 That counts. They were actually dead. So I'm almost thinking fire and water shouldn't count. What about with, like, the Tin Man episode and Teal'c's clone is killed? But that's Teal'c's clone. That's not Teal'c. Yeah, but we counted that as a character death. And we should count it. <laughs> I'm just undoing the character. My thing is, if if our core cast don't actually bite it, then it's not a death. You know. What but I mean? then I feel like it's getting too much into semantics of, you know, what should count and what shouldn't count. Well, yeah, because we're counting their death thing. Like to me, it counts if they died. Yeah. If they, 
actually died, then it counts. If uh, their clone dies or if they think they're dead, it doesn't count because they're not actually dead. So should we have two different death tallies of no, ones that you count and ones that I count? <laughs> no, well, no, because either they're dead or they're not dead. Like, scenarios where they could have died is mm. every week. Every mm, week. But some are closer than others. Some closer than others, but in theory, they are in mortal peril every single week. Right. Like, Jack could have died of old age. He didn't. So we don't mm. count that. Hmm. So I almost think those two that you counted should be uncounted. Maybe we should take this debate to our listeners let us know let <laughs> us know um i mean it'll be a few weeks before we hear your answer but let us know if you think we should take those out yeah because i'm just thinking like i've i've looked up what other people have as their counts of character deaths and i've seen a number of 17 for daniel and i'm pretty sure that this one where he gets in the sarcophagus is one of the ones that they counted okay so, but like well, so, I mean, I, I know that there are some people out there who, you know, are pretty liberal with the term death. and Yeah, but we just need to decide what that means for us. Yeah. And I don't think this counts. I think <laughs> Jack, was, Jack was pretty ready to just leave him there and let him die, but yeah, he didn't die. Yeah. I mean, this may also be something that we continue to explore as seasons go on because um in this episode i mentioned earlier where we're going to learn more about how the sarcophagus works Mm -hmm. there is what i would think would count as a death tally but you may not agree so we can discuss that in the episode too all right we'll revisit this at that point yeah (laughs) (laughs) we really love each other where are you honestly we do (laughs) Healthy debate is all. It yeah, is. yeah. Did you enjoy Colonel Samuels getting embarrassed in this episode? Yes, that was the guy who came up with the Gwold Busters, which is such a dumb name for a weapon. This man with his Gwold Busters and his "We need to watch Russia and China." I'm like, you just walked out of a completely different action movie. <laughs> And I don't think you know what show you're in. But I mean, isn't the American government always on about our relations with Russia and China not being so great? Yeah, but this, this like is it's like science problem. fiction with other worlds and portals and, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, but it's set like in our I know, I just find it very universe. funny when this becomes so un-sci-fi. It just becomes very <laughs> 90s American media. Uh-huh. It's just very funny yeah yeah like roots it even further in american culture oh yeah like late 90s america mm-hmm. even though like most of the actors are canadian and it's like shot in canada <laughs> i didn't notice it in these two episodes but i love when a nice canadian accent jumps out in the middle of all this you know i didn't realize that amanda tapping is also canadian oh yeah that doesn't surprise me yeah, she was actually born in, in England, I think, and was raised in Canada. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I just assume that because they're all playing American characters that they're American actors, too, but that's 
really stupid of me, obviously. Like, Oh, she's from Toronto. I wonder if she still lives there. Oh, she lives in Vancouver, which makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot more filming done there, I guess. There's quite a bit done here, but they do all of the um, sci-fi and fantasy in Vancouver, and they do the, like, city stuff here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, local, local lady. She doesn't have the uh, accent, though. The drama school no. character that. <laughs> I guess so. I still don't hear it in Michael Shanks's voice. I hear it sometimes. Yeah, Sorry. You just... This one. I just don't. I don't hear it. There. <laughs> it's there. It's very subtle. I don't think it's as obvious as you're making it out to be. I it is very quite... obvious. No, it because even I out. can recognize. Even I could recognize it when you're saying it like that. You need to listen for it. Like it's. <laughs> I'm exaggerating it because that's not how I talk, but that is how he talks. I should, I should say that's not how I talk now. If you let me loose with some of my friends who live here, my accent mm-hmm. gets stronger. My first note for this season, I feel you should all know, is Jack is a snack. As always. <laughs> of course. He's such a, listen, <laughs> such a snack. What a man. I hope his hand is okay. It's okay. He can handle it. He's used to it. <laughs> I also like their funky guns that like. Does that guns? Yeah, that like, yeah, go upward. Yeah, we talked about those last time. Yeah, I still like them. Yeah, they're funky. Zet Nicotel. I was admiring. Um, I see in your notes you have you're talking about Apophis's dramatic gold robe. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> um, I I love Apophis's out. He he wears that gold. Yeah, he does not let that gold wear him. No, he wears it, and like I notice he has like. Underneath his armor, he has like a long sleeve shirt that's, it looks like just like a normal shirt, but it's just sparkly gold. And I'm like, where can I get one of those? <laughs> it's a fun shirt. He had it. What if he kept it? <laughs> it like, yeah, it's very dramatic and I love it for him. I love yeah. him in it. Like the gold makeup too. Like it looks good. Just everybody there with their like casual robes that look really rough spun and all that and he's like i have all of this gold clothing and he's usually wearing like as little as possible honestly like he's usually wearing like a skirt like he was cold this time around he threw on those long sleeves (laughs) well like long sleeves on top a skirt on bottom just like all the preppy girls (laughs) (laughs) he was in his late 90s era yeah because he's got boots on too. All he's missing is like rolling up the hem of his gold shirt. <laughs> well, that would be covered up by the armor anyway. So yeah, yeah. Some practicality had to seep in. <laughs> we did get the introduction of the alpha site in this episode. Yes, we did. Um, which doesn't necessarily come up a lot, but it is like randomly mentioned from time to time. Um, and we very occasionally get to see it, but I, and I think at some point, like they end up moving it too. But um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see the development that this is where it starts. I like that he wanted to go there, the guy, and he's like, "I should go." And then General Hammond was like, "No, you have to stay here and fight." And he's like, "But, but, but!" I'm like, "Just sit your ass down." 
That was a pretty nice moment. It was just it was beautiful. Yeah. One thing I didn't get when they're facing off with Apophis, I realize actually no, I don't I don't realize why this would be. One of them shoots the sarcophagus or the wall or something, but they don't shoot Apophis. And they, they, like he shoots the wall. I want to say it was Daniel, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Shoots the wall, gives Apophis this like kind of like taunting look, and then leaves. I'm like, you cheated a bit to the left, and you could have shot Apophis instead. Well, he has a personal shield. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Do they know that he has a personal shield? Well, we've seen it in previous episodes. We've seen it. Did they see it? Yeah. Because, I mean, that was like the on the Nox episode when they were killed. They right. got killed because he had his personal shield on. And I don't think Chlorel had one. But they don't want to shoot Skara. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jack does because he has to. But yeah, they would prefer not to. Yeah, I guess otherwise, like... They would just have to tackle him if he had a shield on. There wasn't any time to tackle Apophis, so they just had to get out of there. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> what did you think about the time progression of this episode? What do you mean? Well, like how this entire mission took 24 hours. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. Like, I thought given, it was... the, given the urgency, uh-huh. it tracks that this is all just one very long day. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that, like, so when they woke up, it had been 18 hours. And so they they must have slept a long time after getting hit with those flashbangs. Yeah. They were asleep for 18 hours after the flashbangs? Well, it was 18 hours when they woke up. But, I mean, they had been, like, I mean, they were doing things. Oh, that was including the parts in the first part. Yeah. One thing I was confused about was, like, they had said on earth before that like the night before i guess that they were going to launch the weapons in three hours and then they didn't they were just they decided to wait and see what the ships were going to do instead of launching so i was like why why didn't you just launch them when you originally said you were going to did they say that in the last episode and then this episode was when they didn't launch it yeah right Okay, so what probably happened there was somebody wrote the last episode, <laughs> realized that they needed it to take longer this time, and just came up. Like, I, w- I would assume though that they were like written together and like filmed back to back. Though I still think they wrote themselves into a corner and just chose to ignore it. Do you think though that they would have filmed them at the same time since they were like dual parts? Maybe. I know sometimes they'll do that and sometimes they won't because like shooting something of this size, the one episode would take like, presuming they're shooting in episode order would take like an extra week or week to 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the funny thing of like people's contracts and, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's the season one, what's season two. So they could have shot it all together. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, for continuity purposes, it would be a lot easier to shoot them together because then you would for sure have the same exact props and the same exact clothing. And Well, no, in terms of props and clothing, you just keep it for the next season. It's more like actors gaining or losing weight or growing their hair or cutting their hair or, like... Yeah, that's true. It's the actors' continuity that you... Like, props and clothing, you just keep 
you just lock the door and pick it back up when you come back. Right. Hmm. I guess because I was wondering because at the end of this episode, they are like all in the gate room, like congratulating each other for saving the world or whatever, and like hugging. And like, I it made me wonder if that was like their season wrap. And it was like extra nice that they got to be in the gate room hugging each other because it was like their last scene of that season, basically, even though it was technically the next season. But I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Any final thoughts on this episode? No. No. Okay. So move on to In the Line of Duty. Sam is taken over by a Tok'ra. What were your initial thoughts on learning about the Tok'ra? I hope we get to see more of them. Yes. And explore we- this concept a little further. I think it's interesting that not all the gold are like capital E evil. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense if you think about it for more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I liked it. And I like this return to problem of the week yep. type thing. And I like kind of expanding the lore mm-hmm. rather than doubling down on it. <laughs> so I really liked this episode. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, and yeah, so it's our first introduction of Togra. So we're going to get a two episode arc all about them. Um, in the middle of this season. So episodes 11 and 12 will be all okay. about them. Um, and then they're going to continue to be allies throughout the season. So we'll see quite a bit of them down the line. Fun. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of fun. Like, I mean, well, thank goodness Sam was taken over by a good ghoul. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this could have gone so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, she um, did try to shoot everybody. Anyway. Yeah. But it was like self-preservation. So, but I mean, I thought it was like a really good like episode and opportunity for Amanda Tapping to do something a little bit different this time. Yeah, she was the one who got to do all the the angst and the drama and like she got to break bad a little bit and play evil. Uh I would have loved because we see Cassandra come back this week. Yeah. And I would have loved because when Jack goes to like comfort her because she's sad that Sam mm-hmm. is possessed. Cassandra's like, she said, if I told you, she would kill me. And I'm like, why did we not get to see that? Because I feel like that would have been really funny. <laughs> why would it be funny? Because it's so uncharacteristic of Sam and so very mm. overblown. Maybe that's why it's not, it. it's not sinister. It's like the gold who are already very dramatic being like, if you tell anyone, I will kill you. That was a terrible impression. But it's like not Sam's voice. It sounds very artificial. It sounds very mm-hmm. over the top. And just something as dramatic as if you tell him, I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It has potentially very unintentionally funny. Which is well, probably just, why they didn't show yeah, it. And it's also why, why I wish yeah. they had. <laughs> but you liked Jack's moment. Jack? has so many dad moments this mm-hmm. week um this episode he's even got a little turtleneck um <laughs> yeah. very weak for turtlenecks today yeah it was just i don't know that man is a snack i don't know what else to say i thought it was so funny in like one of the first scenes when so the Tokra jolanar kind of misjudges exactly what her relationship to jack is and she like punches him on the arm that was very funny because it's so awkward yeah 
And, like, the look on his face, he, like, went through several emotions very quickly. <laughs> like, God, it, you know what it reminded me of was um, in Mulan, when Mulan is trying to seem like a guy and not doing oh, it very yeah. well. Yeah. And just kind of punches Shang on the arm and he's like, what? That's <laughs> yeah. what this reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah, I just, like, can imagine him thinking, like, that's not my Sam. <gasps> my Sam. <laughs> oh, and then when he's talking to Cassandra, you know, like, my Sam would never say something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because he loves her. He hasn't said it. I have. But I just, the fact that he's constantly checking on her mm-hmm. and, like, the fact that they run with their arms loosely around each other. Well, and like um, when the Ashrak was trying to escape through the Stargate, he sent Teal, Teal, he sent Teal, <laughs> there's a C at the end of that, <laughs> um, to go investigate. And he stayed with her while she was like flatlining and whatnot. Because, yeah, he's not going to leave her side. He loves her. Yeah. Very, very much. Speaking yeah. of love, um... <laughs> Part of how this gold, whose name just r- fell out of my head, but it definitely starts with a J. Jolinar. Jolinar. Jolinar? I've heard it, it's so, the name comes up later. I've heard it both with a hard J and a soft J. So whichever one you want to say. Jolinar it is. Yeah. So Jolinar is trying to get Daniel to listen to him because the gold to him, even though Sam is talking. Well, I'm trying to get Daniel to listen to him and he's like, uh, what does he say? I know where to find her. Or... Yeah, I know where she is. I know where she is. That's what it is. It's like, I know where she is. And he's like, we're not going to let you out of this cage. And it's like, not Samantha Carter, Sheree. And then Daniel's like, <gasps> and then they have this whole meeting. And he's like, we have to do something. And I wrote these quotes down because that was very funny. When Jack is trying to talk Daniel down from immediately listening to Joel and Aaron just doing whatever the hell he wants. He's like, he's playing on your greatest weakness. And I'm like, this is not Daniel's greatest weakness. (laughs) If, if Joel and had been like, let me out and I'll tell you where there's some ancient writings on a cave wall. That's Daniel's (laughs) greatest weakness. Oh boy. All of a sudden he's acting like this is a huge deal. And I'm like, this was not a huge deal at any point. And he doesn't actually get the information. No, because he doesn't care because this was not a big deal until Joel and I brought it up. And he's like, right, my wife forgot about her. Well, what's interesting is like we jump from that to a scene where they're kind of like debriefing and they allude to the fact that Daniel had a longer conversation with Joel and R and learned more like about the Tok'ra or whatever and yet did not find out where Share was. Because he doesn't care. Because he had the opportunity to have a longer conversation. And his instinct was to be like, tell me more about your civilization. Like, ask where your wife is, Daniel. Yeah. Especially because it's not like, it's not like on the other missions that I've given him crap for where I'm like, why aren't you looking for your wife? And you're like, because they have, they know nothing about this. Like, why would mm-hmm. he start interrogating these random people about his wife? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Jolinar fully said, I know where your wife and he's like, cool. Anyway, so your uh, funeral customs are, and he's just getting more like information about their people, like Uh priorities, my man. Yeah. 
I yeah. am so worried they're never going to find Sheree. I am so worried <laughs> she's going to die. Don't tell me if I'm right. But I hope they have a moment together before that happens where she can mm -hmm. be like, I knew you'd come find me. And he can be like, oh, I just happened to find you by accident. Because I don't think him finding her is going to result in him actively looking for her. I've given up hope. You're making such a face right now. I have no idea how <laughs> accurate what I just said is. So <laughs> I try not to give anything away. I got it exactly right. 100% correct. He finds Sheree by accident. Well, it makes me wonder, though, if Jolinar was just saying that to get his attention. Because, like, from a future episode, I, I do know where Shari is at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's a big secret. And I don't know how Jolinar would know that. That's fine. Like, I'm not saying that this has to be 100% true. Yeah. But... As well, I'm far just saying as maybe, Daniel's concerned it is. So well, why I'm just is saying he maybe not like for this for this particular episode, you know, maybe that's why that information wasn't revealed because Jolinar didn't actually know. Yeah, it's why it wasn't revealed to us, sure, because right. Jolinar didn't know, but Daniel doesn't know that Jolinar's lying. Well, I mean, maybe I, I guess maybe they should just should have shown the rest of that conversation because maybe he did ask, like, okay, you know, where is she? And maybe Jolinar was like I will tell you like right before you let me go or something like that. You know, maybe there's some kind of but ultimatum. Then, then we should have that we should have seen. Right. Yeah. So that was my big my big thing with this week. That feeling incomplete. Well, you know, it's appropriate that we're talking about all these different romantic relationships because this episode is gonna air on February eighth. So Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about that. So you can gush all about your favorite ship as much as you want. <laughs> On Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's allowed. <laughs> the only Valentine I have this year. Well, you don't know that. That's two months from now. That's true. But given my track record, that's the only Valentine I have this year. What about me? That's true. You're my Valentine. Yeah. Okay. Dips. Yay. <laughs> I call dips. <laughs> I was thinking um, at the beginning of this episode that they there's lots of explosions on this other planet, this planet Nasia, where they're saving people from, and like obviously stunt doubles because there's like people flying in the air and all this kind of stuff, and so it makes me wonder if that's kind of like what something you talked about in terms of budget before, if they have a lot of big budget stuff at the beginning of the season because they've got that like new season cash flow Plus, <laughs> and so i don't know the ratings exactly for season one but mm -hmm. if they did really well in season one then the network producers company would just be inclined to give them more money for season two anyway yeah so the alpha site do we see it for the first time this season no i don't think we see it for a couple of seasons okay because i was gonna say if we see the alpha like whenever we do see the alpha site uh -huh. that's when you know they got a big a big cash influx because uh. they can now build that other because that's like a permanent set right that's not like a mm, random no. field in vancouver we don't see it very often though is the thing hmm. okay so i don't think it becomes like a permanent set necessarily okay because i thought if that was a new like set then that's like a big sign of, of cash influx as opposed to like last season where oh my god we were just talking about this episode the one where they turn into droids the tin man 
the Tin Man, like the Tin Man, and then that other episode where they're in like a really dark warehouse, and like how that was basically the same set, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's very much a we didn't have a budget decision. Yeah. No, I feel like when we do see the Alpha site, it's not, it's not a big budget production. Like it doesn't look like a big budget production necessarily, because there's just like there's some like indoor shots that could be literally anywhere. And some outdoor shots that's probably Vancouver, you know. Some field <laughs> so, in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I feel like the big sets is usually, like, the Gua Old ships. Like, whenever we get to go back to a Gua Old ship, is always, like, a big set for they that. They just put a portion of the budget aside just for that <laughs> set. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the nice thing is they can probably reuse all the props. Yeah, they do. They, they've talked, they talk about that and some behind-the-scenes stuff, how, like pretty much every time there's a ghoul chip, it's the same props and set. They just move the pieces around to make it look a little different. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Checks out. Um, actually, I feel like, so when we when we hear from the Tok'ra in this season, they have some really unusual sets. So, that could be a sign of a bigger budget for that episode. Yeah, if you can... Episodes. If you now have the money to like do some unusual stuff and not just prop up some plywood in a Vancouver yeah. forest, yeah, yeah. Like I've been thinking of that. I don't remember what the episode was with like the worm. Oh, it was when they went to Teal'c's home world. Uh huh. And there was like that castle with like the little garage and then the worm, the like the worm tube. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like there was the this whole procession tube? that went to like this castle in the woods and there was like an underground doorway slash wall thing and then they like extracted a baby worm and they like put it in a tube do you know what i'm talking about no are you talking about when they were on chulak and they there was the temple and there was like the the big glass jar (laughs) you're terrible describing this And you got there in the end when she was I did a great job describing this. So that, you know, for all that that was supposed to be like a really elaborate set piece was basically two pieces of plywood propped up in the forest. Right. Now I'm thinking this season will have more like. Yeah. Yeah. The Tokra set is very much not a normal indoor location. So. I'm excited to see it now. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like both like visually and like how they because it deals with a new type of technology so the way they explain this technology is really cool too so yeah we'll be there soon it's at the halfway point of the season so and um talking about the tokra and the ashrak and stuff like that for this episode i feel like teal got to show off a little bit of his own intelligence for once Mm mm-hmm like being able to educate people on like what he had heard about them and like what he knows, like what the Ashrak are and what they do and kind of that, that kind of thing. I feel like Teal'c was really underused in these episodes. Yeah. Which is weird because the last episode had Braytac and this episode has like a new type of gold. Mm-hmm. So you'd think it would be relying really heavily on Teal'c, but I feel like it was really light on him. These two episodes. I mean, he did get to answer some questions at least. Yeah. But like where's his, emotional arc i yeah he does not get very many emotional arcs i feel like boo yeah i feel like in general he doesn't get a whole lot of emotional development i mean occasionally he'll have some softer moments here and there 
but it's yeah i don't know i that's how i feel like that's kind of one unfortunate thing is like i never really feel like i get teal as much as the other ones yeah you know, we get so much time exploring the emotions of the other three sg1 members and teal is somewhat more elusive in that way like we don't really get to know him in depth like the other ones which is unfortunate that's a shame that it never really comes up i mean he's certainly he's never pushed to the side necessarily it's just that like by nature he's so quiet and but i guess like we just don't really get a lot of interaction with him I don't know. I feel like at some point it does kind of turn around for him a little bit in that he gets more comedic moments down the okay, line. That's fair enough. So that helps a lot. He like starts to like understand humans' sense of humor <laughs> being around Jack so much. Because <laughs> Jack is funny. <laughs> You're funny, honey. <laughs> I should like make you a Valentine's card as if it was from Jack. That's very sad. <laughs> I would probably frame it. <laughs> like straight up. Well, I'll, I knowing Jack, he wouldn't make a very good Valentine's Day card. Sam would make a better one. Sam would make a great card. Jack would not make a card at all and absolutely bought the chocolate on February 15th. <laughs> He's it's still got the little sale sticker on it. You know, I feel like of the three guys, probably Teal'c would be the best one to show up for Valentine's Day. I feel like he would really get into it, especially because like he does, he he really likes learning about Earth customs. He would go all out. Yeah, he you get really like would. the life size teddy bear, you know, and like <laughs> a dozen roses mm-hmm. and gourmet chocolate. Yeah, and he's best. he's made he's made dinner reservations. Right. Or just made dinner, like cooked dinner himself. Or he's made it even better. He's made dinner. He, You know he has a lot of candles. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And that's he, where we're going to leave the... that because this is a family show. <laughs> I feel like that Daniel would be in between Jack and Teal. He would have this big plan in his head, but he would get distracted by some book or whatever. <laughs> Daniel would not make a plan for Valentine's Day because Daniel doesn't remember that he has a Valentine 90% of the time. <laughs> oh, one thing I was going to mention in this web in this episode when he's talking to that nasty woman in the hospital and she's like just find, finding out that her husband was, you know, possessed by gold and he said the line is I lost my wife to the gold. And I'm like, "Wait a minute. You're you're speaking in past tense, Daniel. He thinks Sheree is dead. That's why he doesn't care. He like she's out there. Like, where is Daniel? And he's like, my poor wife. She's dead. Sometimes I can still hear her, and she's like behind him screaming for help. <laughs> like what? This why man is, she... is a whole mess. He's an why entire mess. Why is she mess. in the past tense? Because <laughs> he thinks she's dead. <laughs> he's an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> um, he gets better. Does he? <laughs> That's what I mean, ended that in a do The bar is the floor. <laughs> he he's not a great romantic. 
No, Jack's a more Jack's more romantic than Daniel. Honestly, he is because even though they can't do anything about their romance, like Jack obviously like deeply cares about Sam. Here's what Jack would do. He wouldn't do anything on Valentine's Day because it genuinely wouldn't occur to him to do something on Valentine's Day. But Jack is like the type who like does romantic things all year without realizing it. Mm, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he remembers things that are important to you mm-hmm. and just does it. Yeah. With no comment. I do think he would be pretty attentive though. Like if his partner was pregnant. Oh my I God. Feel like, I feel like he would be really, really great at like giving the foot massages and, you know, bringing drinks and food and stuff like that. And like running out at three o'clock in the morning for fries and a milkshake. Oh Yeah. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, just quietly, attentively romantic Yeah, all year. Like, he doesn't, yeah. so Valentine's Day doesn't phase him at all. That's true. But then if Sam says something about it, like how she was really hoping for flowers or something, then he would go get, like, extra flowers the next day. Yeah, he would get extra flowers and the chocolate with the little sale sticker on it. <laughs> yeah, everything would be on sale. <laughs> I think it worked out better this way, babe. And she's like, oh my god. Because then I can get you more for the same price. (laughs) Ah, what a man, what a man. But then knowing Sam, like, she would be so busy with her work that she would forget to eat the chocolate. And, like, it would go bad before she could eat it, you know? What kind of chocolate do you buy that it goes bad? Well, I mean, eventually. You leave it out. It's not going to stay good forever. That's another thing he does is he just quietly puts the chocolate in the fridge. <laughs> so yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Teal wins <laughs> Valentine's Day, but Jack wins romance. That's true. And yeah. Daniel wins nothing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, somebody had to be the loser here, I guess. Going back to the, the Ashrak. Well, for one thing, I wish we learned more about them in general because I feel like we don't ever have a mention of an Ashrak again after this, which is unfortunate because they're, they're kind of cool in a way like cool assassins. Does it really not come up at all in any of the series? There's occasional times where, I mean, I feel like normally when you're talking about like assassins dealing with the gold, it's like SG one attempting to assassinate the gold and not like, Gould assassins themselves. Right. But I don't know, maybe it makes sense because he obviously wasn't very good at his job because he didn't actually kill her. So <laughs> maybe that's why they don't mention it again. They're too embarrassed. <laughs> There's like the one bounty hunter and he's terrible. So they're just okay with him dying and not using him again. We don't talk about him. <laughs> I was thinking that maybe it was just like a circumstantial thing. Like maybe he would like normally, you know, cut her head off and bring it back with him or something. And that obviously wasn't possible. Right. Thankfully. Yeah. But I did think it was funny how like when he's coming into the SGC and like everybody has to go through like the metal detector and do their handprint. And he takes his little three pointed ring off his hand to do the hand scan and I'm like what is the point because it's gonna set the alarm off anyway because 
you're not an authorized member to be coming in. So what was the point of taking off your ring and doing the hand scan when you were just going to have to stun this guy anyway? To prolong the wait time before he has to stun the guy? I don't know. I mean, because he could have just gone up to it and like pretended like he was going to put his hand there. The guy would have noticed the ring and then he could immediately stun him. So, yeah. I don't know. That's a very, very minor point, but it just it bothered me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like one of those things where he's like, you're going through the motions for as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Another thing about this episode, it kind of introduces the idea of how everybody is going to have to get an MRI every time they come back through the Stargate. Yeah, do they like, ever follow up on that? Um, I mean... Maybe not specifically, but it's pretty well understood that every time they come back, they have to have a medical exam. And so I guess that just becomes part of their routine medical exam is getting an MRI. But I'm like, that must be so tedious. Not only tedious, I feel like that's dangerous going inside a magnet that often. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I do not know enough about MRI machines to know if that would be dangerous or not. I mean, if they're only going on a new mission about once a week then maybe it's not that big of a deal like it, maybe it would be bad if it was every day but if it's only once a week maybe it's okay maybe even then once an mri once a week that's like assuming no vacation time 52 mris a year is still a lot of mris i'll have to do some research yeah let me <laughs> next week but i feel like that's a dangerous yeah. thing for them to do i've been doing a lot of scientific research for this show <laughs> oh as i mentioned last time that there was that um two times audiobook ago. yeah right two times ago that there was an audiobook about the science behind sci-fi um and so i wrote it down so it's it's called the science of sci-fi it's a great courses with the lecturer is aaron mcdonald and this came out in november 2019 it's only three and a half hours um and it talks about faster than light travel and time travel and i mean basically all of like the big the big stuff that we know from different sci-fi and it's like star trek and star wars are kind of like the big ones but also that she mentioned stargate um mass effect Battlestar galactica doctor who firefly even throws in like a good place reference so if you're interested in learn and like hearing some of like science behind sci-fi stuff that's a pretty cool thing to listen to. And so like, I feel like I understand hyperspace better now. Um, and then in a later episode this season, there's an episode that's all about a black hole. So I've been like reading up on black holes and neutron stars. <laughs> Becoming a regular little scientist. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Stargate. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm just afraid of, like, coming on the podcast and, like, sounding like a complete idiot. <laughs> I just come on and sound like a complete idiot, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to do some research into MRI machines now. Yeah, let me know if it's dangerous or not. Yeah. I think it is, for the record, but I guess we'll find out. I don't know. I feel like there's not really anything intelligent I can say about it at this point since I don't know anything about it, but. But we it will does. follow up on it next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your note about, you said 
Now, I don't want to discourage this kid, but talent is a stretch. Or are you talking about the drawing? Yeah. Yeah, Cassandra is like, my teacher said I'm talented. I'm like, um, your teacher is being nice. <laughs> your teacher That's has awesome. to say that. Your teacher legally has to tell you that. <laughs> so harsh. Like, it's like lines on a pen. I'm like, Jackson Pollock, she is not. like. <laughs> She's like 10. Drawing like a four-year-old. Like, you're 10. You're, you're past the finger painting. Well, I mean, it could be fun. It could be fun. And definitely have your fun. But my teacher says I'm talented for this yellow smiley face or whatever that she drew with her. I'm like, Cass, come on now. <laughs> Harsh. Don't, don't want to discourage you, but maybe art's not your thing. <laughs> oh, goodness. We do see her, I think, one more time, and she ends up being really good at chess, so. Okay, see, there we go. She's good at chess. She doesn't have yeah. to be good at art. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and then she never is spoken of again. <laughs> so speaking of, like, Cassandra, and then we have got Dr. Frazier as well, I feel like In the Line of Duty was a very, like, woman-centered episode. Because it was mostly about Sam, you know, and then we've also got like these other two women characters coming in. I think it was Sam centric. Yeah. Not necessarily woman centric. Well, just that it was really nice to have more than just Sam. Yes. Yeah. In in that I agree. Yeah, it was it was a nice change of pace to have uh, Sam be the problem. Yeah. And I feel like it does pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, I think so. Because they talk about, like, Sam's health. Uh-huh. And her ugly finger painting. So, yeah, <laughs> it does pass the Bechdel test. So, yeah, I mean, it was nice to have more women yeah. in there. So we like, had the opportunity for this to actually happen. <laughs> yeah. Because we no, don't, it doesn't pass very often, so. And do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? Yeah. Like without hesitation, these ones absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were they were pretty good, like non problematic. Yeah, fairly fairly standard sci fi. Yeah. Any final thoughts we haven't covered yet? No. I just think that the um, the sound of Sam breaking down the old corpse in her head and her body absorbing it sounds really gross. That does sound really gross. Yeah. Like, where does it go? It just like gets absorbed into like the into bloodstream. What? Bloodstream. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's in her brain, or like it's like at the base of her Gross. brainstem. Or, yeah, and she's just got little gold bits circulating forever. Yeah, it's not like it's gonna leave. Um, I mean, it might eventually like break. Well, I mean, the Naquita will stay in her bloodstream permanently, but the the gold bits. I mean, those might get processed out into what. I don't know. I mean, okay, I I don't know biology, but if they if it gets like broken down into her bloodstream, could it not get processed out through her kidneys? I don't know if that's how that works. I did I poorly know. in science in school. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, because when things are in our bloodstream, they don't stay there forever. So yeah, 
guess yeah, I guess it does get filtered out somewhere. So whatever wherever is filtering it will catch it I eventually. Think that, I think that's the kidneys that filters the blood, isn't it? Yes. Right? We both need to go back to science class. No, I graduated. They can't take it from me. <laughs> okay, kidney's main job is to cleanse the blood of toxins and transform the waste into urine. Well, there you go. She's going to pee it out. Yeah, I was right. From the NHS. Good job, me. Yeah, I always just did okay in science class. I was not terrible, but I was not good. What's really embarrassing is I had to teach kidney function to one of my students last year. <laughs> so this is recent information for me. Oh, dear. <laughs> Good job. Yay. <laughs> A plus. A plus for me. Yeah, the I think the only class I ever failed in high school or college was astronomy. And so here I am, like, trying to learn about neutron stars and shit. <laughs> well, hey, learning about it via something that actually interests you is what makes it sick. That's true. I, wh what really got me about the astronomy class, I think, was the math. Because mm. I'm terrible at math. And there was just so much math in it. Like, so many formulas. And I just could not wrap my head around it. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, look, I'm here to learn about stars. <laughs> and I'm not here to do equations. Thank you. You got to do both. You want the stars. You got to do the equations. No, I don't want to. Sorry. It's the rules. I just need, I need an astronomy class for humanity majors is what I need because I don't care about the math. See, my college offered that, but it still had a math component. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, in college, I did take a math class for humanity majors, and it was still really hard. I still got to see in it. So, <laughs> well, because they don't assume that being a humanities major means you can't do math. Yeah. So, I just need a science class that has no math in it. That's not a thing. I just want to learn about the cool parts. That's not a thing. Sure, it is. No, it's not. I can I can listen to lectures and read books about it. Yeah, that's not a science class. It's just self-driven well, learning. Yeah. So it's not a science class. Well, not a class, but it's still learning about science. Yeah. It would just be nice if there was a class. I don't I, I feel like I like the class format. Some I just people don't want to do math is cool. I don't understand those people. My mother is one of those people. <laughs> It just does not come naturally to me. No. Although it is easier when you have to teach it because then you really have to think about how it works. Oh, dear. And no, I swear I got better at math when I had to teach math because having know. to just do it is one thing. Having to be able to explain it, you really need to know what you're talking about. But see, this is part of why I don't have kids. I don't want to have to explain math. <laughs> That's what a partner's for. You make them explain <laughs> But what if they're also bad at math? That's what a tutor is for. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I always have problems growing up because, like, my dad is an engineer, but they changed the teaching methods mm -hmm. for math between the time he was in school and the time I was in school. And so my brother knew the kind of math that I was supposed to be learning, but he either wasn't available most of the time or didn't want to help his dorky little sister, you know? 
<laughs> and so like my dad would teach me his ways of doing stuff. And then I would, you know, turn my homework in and my teacher would be like, no, that's not. I'm like, well, the answer is right. It's just a different method. Fortunately, I learned nowadays they teach the kids a few different ways to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So any way you solve the problem, as long as you show your work, is okay. Well, that's good. So, yeah. Anyway, we should probably talk, stop talking about um, our homework. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, we're going to be talking about episodes three and four, Prisoners and the Gamekeeper. And you're welcome to watch along with us. They're great mystery solving episodes. And one of them will have an unexpected payoff in the future. Ooh. Arzu, are you ready for your next quote? Yes, I am. All right. Signs of weakness are not a good thing in prison. Daniel says it because they are in prison. Why are they in prison? They are in prison because they've gone to a new world and they're like, who are these outsiders? And they like did something wrong or overly technological and they throw them in prison. And one of them wants to like appeal to the overly tough warden slash prison system and be like we can help them and basically make themselves appear non-threatening daniel's like signs of weakness are not a good thing in prison (laughs) okay well we'll find out next week if you're right i know i'm right (laughs) that's it for today i feel like normally we just sign off with like you can find us on twitter but i don't know what the state of social media is going to be like two months from now so <laughs> we we are currently on Twitter and Tumblr and Hive, although Hive has not been loading for I cannot sign it logging. Hive is Hive a little right glitchy as of recording, so Yeah, TBD. maybe to yeah, maybe when this airs it'll be working again. Um but the podcast is on all three Twitter, Tumblr, and Hive at Wormhole Waffles. And I personally am on all three at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? I am on Twitter at ArzuAntMean. I'm on Tumblr and Hive at ArzuD2. Um, I'm also on Instagram at ArzuD2 if Instagram is your thing. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. We have all kinds of reviews on there. Uh, and we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.